if, if you ever received a gift that you didn't especially like, you know, like a Chia Pet, or, or you know, could have been any number of things, right? Um, I, I want to share with you about a gift today that we've been given. Uh, see, see, the reason we give gifts at Christmas, um, it's because God started it. Okay, so if you don't like giving and receiving gifts, then you just have to blame God. Talk to Him about it and, and share that with Him. But so, so really, God, if you think about it, God started this tradition of giving the first Christmas gift. You have been given, I have been given the greatest gift that we could ever be given. That very familiar verse of Scripture, John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world in this way, He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, I know that's a little different translation than probably how you learned it. But for God so loved the world, the people groups, the people in the world, that he did what? He gave. What did he give? The greatest gift that you could ever receive. Hey, listen, have you ever received a gift? It was a box or a package that you opened, uh, and inside that box was another box. All right? And you opened that box, and inside that box was, a, was another little smaller box. You get the idea. God's gift to you is the big box. But inside that box, there are some other boxes, other gifts. And so at Christmas time, God's gift to you is Jesus, the big gift. There are other, in, inside that big box, other smaller gifts, and they're important gifts. So, if you have your outline, and you should have received it inside that little handout that you got today. What does God give you? When you trust Christ as Savior, He gives you a new identity. I don't have to tell you that today identity theft is big business, Right? And I'm sure some of you have been there. I have too. Um, so our identity, occasionally it happens, it gets stolen. But did you know that your identity can get stolen in other ways? Your identity can be stolen by your friends, by your partners, by problems that you experience, by culture, and especially when we wind up, we end up being pressured to conform to culture. In other words, any of those things that prevent you and keep you from being other than what God has designed for you to be and do. That's identity theft. Now, so so the question is this, where do you get your identity? Well, most of the time people get their identity from three things. They get their identity from their work. Or their relationships, or things, material things that they own. 
from work, for example. Sometimes when you say to people, you know, who are you? Think about that. Who, who are you? Then they'll say, I am a truck driver. I'm an accountant. Uh, I am a teacher. That, well, that's not you, right? I mean, that's what you do. And then sometimes we get our identity or we think we get our identity from relationships. You know, I'm a mom. I'm a dad. I'm a grandparent. I'm a uncle. I'm an aunt. Whatever. And then sometimes people get their identity from things, from what they have. You know, this is my house. This is my bank account. This is my car. You know, it just depends on the car that you drive, too, by the way. So so here's what I'm saying. Listen, never, ever base your identity on something that you can lose, because when you lose that whatever it is, then there goes your identity along with it. So you always want to be careful. Never base your identity on something that can be taken from you or something that you're going to lose. Listen, there's one thing that I know that can never be taken from you. God's unconditional love, that agape love, that doesn't say I love you if, I love you when, I love you since. No, it just says I love you. God so loved the world. Did you know that you cannot stop God from loving you? You, you can't make God not love you. He loves you. That, that's His nature. God is love. And so the Bible says, our identity is found in Him. If any man be in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He is a new person. In other words, when we're born again, we get a fresh start. We get a do-over. We get a whole new ID. Now, so, so you, if you know Christ, you are a new creation in Christ. Does that mean that you're perfect? Shoot, no. You're still going to mess up. Does that mean you're not going to struggle? Of course not. It means that, listen, you are not identified with your past. With your past failures, with past sin. No, listen, now, if you are in Christ, you're a child of God who loves you very much. You are not your sin. You are not your struggle. You are a child of God. You are loved by God and you are forgiven. Forgiven. And so it's important that we see ourselves the way that God sees us. And we've all heard things sometimes in our past that get said to us or about us. You know, that you're never going to amount to anything. Um, why would you try that? Why can't you be like, you know, whomever? Um, you don't have the talent. You're too this, you're too that, you're not enough, whatever. You know, we hear things like that. Sometimes people form their identity on those kind of things. But listen, God says you're valuable. God says you're lovable. God says you are forgivable. God says you are capable 
God says you are usable. Is that a word, usable? You're usable. You are, you're, you're, you're blessable. That's not a word, that is. You're blessed by God. You're loved by God. You're important to God. So we have a new identity in Christ. Number two, when you trust Christ the Savior, you have a new spirit. A new spirit. Uh, Paul said in Ephesians and a couple of other places that before we know Christ, before we came to know him, we were dead in our spirit. But once we trust Christ as Savior, listen, our spirit is made alive. The Holy Spirit comes to indwell and now our spirit is alive and we can communicate with God. We have that relationship and fellowship with God. And so we get a new spirit. Romans chapter 5 verse 5 says, God has poured out His love into our hearts by means of the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And so God's Spirit is a gift for you and me. And um, and God says, now I'm going to be working on you, but not only am I working on you, I'm working in you because I am in you. And so that's where the change comes from. From from within. Uh, thanks be to the Holy Spirit who indwells us, who empowers us, who gifts us uh, with, with those gifts to minister and to serve and uh, empower us to do those things that God has called us to do. Number three, God gives you, when you come to know Christ as Savior, He gives you a new family. You, you now, when you come to know Christ, you have a spiritual family to support you. Um, you, you were meant to know God, but you were also meant not to go through life alone. God never intended us to be Lone Ranger Christians. But he gives to us a family. Now, when you come to know Christ as Savior, you are part of the universal church. And by that, we mean the church uh, that, that includes all people who come to know Christ, past, present, and future, even those who, who come to know him as Savior, are part of that universal church. But listen, in addition to that, God wants us to be part of a local church. Look at the, the, the books of the Bible that were written to individual churches. And so we need that church family around us to support us. Um, so, so, so think about this. You're, you, when it comes to being a part of the family, and the scripture calls um, the church a family, you're not automatically adopted into it. Not everybody is in the family. Everybody is created by God. Everybody is loved by God. But you become a part of God's family by means of a decision. You make a decision. A, a, we, we say you repent of your sins. Repent 
um, sometimes carries a negative con- connotation to some people. But the word repent just really means to change the mind. It means I'm heading in one direction away from God and I repent, meaning to turn and I move toward God. And so that's we make a conscious decision to become a part of the family. So so the church is a family. It's a spiritual family, the local church. And, and let me tell you, um, every, everybody, I'll say this, everybody needs a local church. You need support. You need the love. You need the forgiveness uh, of, of God's people, of brothers and sisters in Christ. So that's a gift that God gives to you, the church family, once you trust Christ as Savior. And, and then you become a part uh, or at least I encourage people to become a part of a local, visible church. You you do come into the church, universal church. But listen, I have never liked preaching to an invisible church. That That's good. That's good to know. But you need a local church. The, the closest thing I can come to that was during the pandemic when we were closed down for those six or eight weeks. And uh, it was myself and Matt, we were live streaming and YouTubing and um, it was Matt and myself and Jimmy and Melba were here and there was nobody here. I mean, I just looked out and preached to the pews. I said to Melba, Melba, maybe you need to bring some cardboard figures or stuffed animals or something. Just sit them, you know, across here so I'll have somebody talk to. So, so, but, but seriously, you know, the invisible church, we become a part of that. But, but you need a a visible, local body of Christ where you can connect. And if you're looking for a church home, I want to tell you this church would welcome you uh, into its membership. And, and if you give them a chance, they will love you. Won't they, Brother Ed? They'll love you. And then number four. When you become uh, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you trust Christ as Savior... Here, here's a gift within the gift. You get a new destiny. Isn't that marvelous? You have a home in heaven. You know, some some gifts don't last very long. Some of the gifts, especially that the kids have, and by noon or shortly thereafter, they're broken and and um, or lost. You know, and, or or they're playing with the box and the wrapper that it came in, and you know. So sometimes they, the gifts don't last long. Uh, some gifts, maybe you don't want to last very long. But listen, listen, there is a gift that you have when you know Christ the Savior. Jesus is getting ready to ascend back to the Father. His, his disciples are anxious, afraid. Jesus said to them, John chapter 14, Don't be afraid. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you... I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. 
And there's old Thomas. And Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going and how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Heaven's a real place. I go to prepare a place for you. It's a beautiful place. Streets of gold. Precious stones, beautiful stones. One gate, one pearl. Can you imagine? Don't that just blow your mind? But let me tell you the most beautiful thing about heaven. Jesus is going to be there. There will be a reunion coming too one day. We have loved ones already there, don't we? Family, friends. We get to see them again. Reunited. Paul said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That is, we shall not all die. But we shall all be changed. For he says, one day there's going to be a trumpet blast. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet them in the clouds of the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. So whether we die before Jesus comes back and we know him as Savior... We're going to the home in heaven. There will be people who are alive when Jesus comes back. The dead in Christ will rise first, and then those believers who are left will be snatched away, raptured, caught up to meet him in there. What a great gift. First Peter 1 Peter 1.4 says, God has reserved for his children the priceless gift of eternal life, which is kept in heaven for you. Reserved in heaven for you. Free gift. Can't earn it. Can't bargain your way there. Uh, can't be good enough. Free gift. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 2 Corinthians 9.15 Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Hey, what a gift. What a gift. The greatest gift ever that God gives to us. In the Lord Jesus Christ. And within Jesus, the big box, there are some other gifts. Other gifts. Aren't you glad? And Father, thank you for the gift, that indescribable gift of the Lord Jesus.
who came and gave his life that we might have life. So we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for Christmas, the birth of our Savior. As we celebrate today, we in turn love you because you first loved us and sent your Son in whose name we pray. Amen. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. This is a way as we partake in the Lord's Supper. Uh, we're actually expressing our love to the Lord Jesus for what he's done for us. Um, you should have received the little prepackaged, self-contained cup. Did everybody get one? Let, let, let me say this. Uh, when we get to that point, uh, there's a real thin little layer, top layer. Uh, when you peel back that little layer, that thin top layer, it will expose the wafer. And then secondly, as you uh, fold back the little tip with the aluminum on it, it exposes the juice. And so we'll do that in just a moment. A few comments I, I want to say, first of all, that if you're here with us today and you're not a member of First Baptist Church, we still invite you to participate with us. We practice open, what we call open communion. That means as long as you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, then we invite you to participate with us. Okay? Now, just a word or two. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, Paul gives some instructions concerning uh, the Lord's Supper or communion, as some people call it. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and uh, n notice uh, verse 23, if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23. Remember, Jesus instituted this Lord's Supper as he celebrated Passover in the upper room with his disciples that night. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. He gave thanks, broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Verse 27, Therefore, Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy way will be guilty of sin against the body and blood of the Lord. So a man or woman should examine himself, herself in this way. He should eat of the bread and drink of the cup. First of all, the Lord's Supper, I said, is an expression. As we partake, we are expressing our love for the Lord Jesus Christ because of what he has done for you and for me. 
And so Jesus instituted that Lord's Supper, as I said, at the time of the Jewish Passover, the Passover meal that he was celebrating with his disciples. God instructed the, Jew, the Jews to eat that meal in remembrance of how he had delivered them from slavery in Egypt and set them free. And so that was instituted, God instituted that as a way for the people to remember, to remember what he had done for them and the fact that he had delivered them. So as we partake of the Lord's Supper, uh, then we are remembering, Jesus said, this is my body which is broken for you. This is my blood which was shed for you. That baby, that baby in the manger was God in the flesh. Grew to be a man. He was the God-man. Lived a perfect life. Died on the cross uh, to pay our sin debt. And so we remember that. As we partake of the Lord's Supper. And we just, it's a way to say, thank you, Lord, for what you've done for me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for paying my sin debt so that I might be forgiven and be able to go free. Notice, notice there's also wound up in, in the Lord's Supper, there's an expectation there's an expectation. We're not told how often to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Here in this church, we do it quarterly. Um, but notice he said in verse 26, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You see, so there is an expectation. Communion, the Lord's Supper, looks back to the cross. But it also looks forward to that day that Jesus will return in all of his glory. And folks, listen, he's coming back. Just as sure as Jesus came the first time. He's coming back. So Paul said, as often as you do this. Do it in remembrance of me. But you also do it in expectation of that time when Jesus is going to take us out of this place into a better place. And then thirdly, I mentioned this to you. There's an examination. Because Paul writing there, when we read that verse, said, Whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup in an unworthy manner is guilty of sin against the body and the blood of the Lord. And so we ought to examine ourselves. In, in other words, Lord, is there anything in my life right now that should not be there? Action? Something that I've done, I need to ask you to forgive me for? An attitude? Could be any number of things. So listen, no, nobody's perfect. We, no, nobody, nobody's worthy to take the Lord's Supper on your own. We, we're just not. But it's because we are made worthy through the body and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ.
And so we want to take just a moment for that time of self, self-examination. See, not what my neighbor needs to do and not shouldn't do and should do and, you know, no, no. It's a self-exam. This is your time with God. Would you bow with me, please? Lord, we bow in your presence. Lord, we thank you that we can remember what you've done for us on the cross. Gave your life so that we might have life, life eternal, life abundant on this earth. Thank you for that amazing gift, best gift ever. Now, Lord, we recognize that we all fall short. I pray during this time together right now, Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts? And Lord, would you remind us of anything that's there in our heart that should not be there. So we take this time to say, search us, Lord, and forgive us. So would you do that right now?